Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Hello. Glad you could join us. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those of you that are mountain challenged. And um, glad you could be here. So we're going to start off, as we always do, with the shipping report. And then I'll tell you how the, the build of the new fish store is coming along as well as a cool giveaway that we have. And I'm um, gonna check in with folks about the Gold Rose Line Rasboras. So that's kind of what will start us off. And after I ramble for a bit, then we'll uh, go ahead and get into questions and comments. So that's what's going on today. Audio and video are good. Awesome, glad to hear it. In fact, audio might be a little hot. Let me turn that down just a bit. Um, okay, good. I think that's okay. Hopefully it's not popping on your end. I hate turning it down too low because, well, that's no fun, but <laughs> too high and it starts popping. So hopefully it's all good. Okay, so we're going to start with the shipping report and it is not good. Um, there are one or two shipping reports per year where things just go sideways. And this was one of those. Um, since I talked to you last week, we've had a perfect storm of shipping. So there were three things that converged on UPS since I last talked to you that really affected shipping. One is that there were tons of delayed flights um, and that's almost impossible to predict. So the way to describe it is if there is, if a butterfly flaps its wings, right? It's that, it's that kind of thing. So if there is one airport that has a problem it can branch out sometimes and affect the, the whole thing and create lots of slowdowns. So that happened. There were lots and lots of delayed and canceled flights. Um, in fact, Southwest Airlines declared um, an embargo on shipping anything perishable, including um, live fish. And so did several other airlines as well. Um, I, have the, I have the message somewhere um, so I could read them off to you. I don't remember exactly which ones, but I think it was like it might have been American Airlines. It might have been United. So there's all these airlines that UPS. Um, okay. I, the caveat here is I've, I've, I'm not a worker at UPS. I, I don't know all the details of their system. But my understanding is that, you know, packages go on different airlines. And when those airlines, um, you know, shut down, it uh, creates a problem. So lots of delayed flights. On top of that. There are certain locations that are shutting down or shutting down early or only have a, a skeleton staff, skeleton crew um, due to COVID concerns. There's one person, one customer who um, they their package got to their local UPS and they went to pick it up and the place had closed early. And they, they saw someone there and talked to him and they said, yeah, we, we don't have enough staff, so we're closing early, and we also can't go get your package. I'm like, their package was there, but they couldn't get it. So things like that are happening where there's just uh, not enough staffing at some of the places. And then the other thing that happened was certain places had really bad weather. So it was this combination of delayed flights, really bad weather, and then uh, short-staffed. And so what that ended up doing 
in some cases is create really long delays. For instance, we had one customer whose package was shipped on Wednesday, didn't get to them until Monday. Uh, we had three or four packages that were delayed like that over the weekend delays. So those are bad because then they sit there Saturday and Sunday in the cold, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> just it's really frustrating for everybody. So that's the kind of thing that happened. So now I, I'm kind of talking as if it's doom and gloom. It isn't. Almost all the fish and almost all the packages arrived alive and in good shape. But our normal loss percentage rate is less than 1%. In fact, it's less than half a percent. Our normal percentage of DOAs are fish that arrive alive but are don't ship well and, and pass away within a day or two or a week or whatever, right? Um, it's, it's very low. Because of this kind of perfect storm we had this week, our, our loss rate this week either arrived DOA or died shortly after arrival was 2.9%, um, which is really high for us. Now, you know, our worst day is better than a lot of places best day. So take that into consideration. And, um, but still it's, it's way, way higher than normal. Um, so not, not a fun shipping report. There were some problems, um, just to this kind of perfect storm that we had. The good news is that that resolved, um, those, uh, this week shipping's going well, that's pretty much resolved itself. So I, I think we're okay now. So I don't want to scare anyone off about, you know, buying fish, but I've committed to telling you every week how it went. And we normally have zero problems, or if we do have a problem, it's very few. We normally have zero delays. Um, maybe every few weeks there might be one delay. And usually it's only delayed one day and then it arrives and there's no problems. Um, but this time we had 25 fish that either arrived DOA or passed away shortly thereafter. Um, now we shipped a ton of fish, so keep that in mind. This is still less than 3% losses, but that is, I don't know, six times higher or whatever our normal average. So not a good week. Um, I, it does help though, when, when we have a week like this, I sit down and I crunch the numbers and I'm like, okay, what's actually going on? Cause it feels bad, right? When the fish don't do well and, um, you know, you're, you're helping the customer, you're refunding the customer, you're trying to help them through it. Is there the shipments delayed? It's like, what can we do? What, how can we strategize a way to go pick them up? Um, or whatever. And um, often there's not much we can do. So it feels bad. And so it does help when I crunch the numbers and I say, what's really going on? And what's really going on is 2.9%, um, which is horrible for us. For us, that's really bad. So it felt, it felt wrong. It felt, it, it wasn't a fun uh, last few days <laughs> trying to go through all that. But it's still just 2.9%. So when I do the math, it, it kind of helps me get a little perspective. But I do want to say to any any customers that um, were affected by that, who had orders that were affected by that, that I'm sorry. Um, I've, I've reached out to all of you. I think I think everyone's got their refunds and everything's been taken care of. As far as a business side, you know, counting the pennies and all that. But still, 
um, we're, we're talking about living organisms and, you know, they deserve respect. And when it doesn't go well, just it's I, I get it. I, I understand. So anyway, that's the report. Um, we have one or two like this every year. Looks like we're getting this year's out of the way early. Hopefully that's the last one. Hopefully there's no like freak ice storm at a major UPS hub, you know, in a couple months or something. But um, yeah, that's, that's just the reality. That's that's what happened. And I wasn't looking forward to having to report that, but but I always will. So there you have it. Um, on the better news, <laughs> on the happier news, there's been amazing progress over at the warehouse. Um, let me see if I can show you some things here. Let's see here. If I can show you some pictures. If it'll bring up my Instagram easily and quickly and doesn't lock me out or anything, then I'll be able to do this. Um, okay. So let me get, can I expand it? Oh, this is one of those weird ones that if you expand it, it, uh, it actually shrinks. <laughs> okay. So this is a picture of our surface well, our water supply being, uh, worked on. So this is actually in the Creek itself, but we put up a barrier and have pumped out all the water. So dug down there, put a bunch of gravel down there, um, basically cleaned up the bottom of the river because it was over, it had a lot of silt and it was over silted. What do you call that? I don't know. Clogged up with silt. It, it needed a clean out. So cleaned it out, um, replacing that with a bunch of gravel and things, just this big layer of sludge. And, um, we have it in here. I don't know if we can see it unless we zoom in, but the, one of our cisterns has been placed and is ready to go. This picture was taken about noon today. And since then I went back this evening, it was too dark to take a picture or a video or anything, but, um, it, uh, it was a lot more than this had been done. So this picture was about noon today. And when I went back tonight, where the excavator is, all that was pulled out. Um, they've made a lot of progress. So that's, that's one picture. Um, I don't know really. Okay. How do I use this desktop version? Um, for those that did not see it, this has been very exciting. Our, our water treatment equipment has been placed. Um, I went tonight and it's been plumbed a bit. There's some, uh, big clack, uh, valves on top of these. Now there's some pipe up top. It's some work is some progress has been made since this picture was taken, but these are two big furnaces to heat water. This is the water exchanger, which, um, takes the heat out of the water, leaving the warehouse and, or the heat exchanger, uh, takes the heat out of the water, leaving the warehouse, the warm water from the aquariums and steals the heat from it and then and puts it into the cold water coming in from the river. Um, so that's a, a way to heat the water without using a lot of energy. These are our two big carbon filter units. And then this here is our sediment filter to kind of clear and polish the water. Um, in this crate right here are two big eight foot UV sterilizers that we haven't got out yet. So those are not set up, but it's, it's neat. It's starting to look it's beginning to look a lot like a fish store <laughs> is kind of what's going on there. Um, here's a close up. 
of our sediment filter. This is a big bad boy. Should do a really good job. And these, uh, these are eight foot. These are eight feet tall. They're not small units. They're big. Standing next to them makes you feel very small. So anyway, that's all um, happening. Um, today was the first day I went into the warehouse and I could flip a switch and the lights came on. So it's, it's wired, the lights are on switches, all that's coming along, which is great. <laughs> um, we're still waiting for the big three-phase electrical panel that was back-ordered, but it looks like it's going to arrive. Um, it, it'll be shipped out, it looks like, on the 18th and should arrive about a week after that. So it should be here in time to drop it in and, and get it wired, we're talking about a day or so maybe to get that done. Um, so it should be in time. So there's still a glimmer of hope that we might be able to get into the new fish store, take occupancy the 1st of February. Um, maybe, depending on when they can schedule inspections and all that, um, maybe it takes a little longer, I'm not sure. But from what I'm observing, it looks like it's coming along. The electrician's done a lot more work. Um, almost all of those outlets are done now. Um, we have a whole lot of outlets because we have a lot of tanks and each tank needs its own outlet and um yeah it's it's coming along so surface well moving that was a big question mark if the weather was bad and they couldn't do that that could delay us but that's moving along and the only other thing was that electrical panel i do want to thank um a couple members of the community that are in the world of electricity and electrical supply that reached out and we're able to uh, help us come up with a plan B. So we found another panel that we could get in a hurry if we need to. That allowed our electrician to have a little leverage uh, to get the panel he's waiting on kind of rushed a little more. So that was very helpful. And, um, you know, that plan B is still in our back pocket. If, if that panel that we're waiting on to basically power the, free f the three phase section of the building, the big massive pumps and things, um, I'm going to check on the 19th and see if it shipped on the 18th. And if it didn't, uh, we might be, you know, taking advantage of, of that plan B. So thank you to everyone that helped with that, helped solve that problem. There's been a couple times when uh, there's been issues uh, getting equipment and things. And you guys have been really responsive and it solved a couple problems for us. So we really appreciate your help with that. Um, so that's what's going on with the warehouse. Before we get to the giveaway, there's one more thing I want to do, which is I want to check in with everyone about the uh, gold roseline barbs that we brought in. Um, they're known to have eye issues. We screened them really carefully, and I uh, think we did a pretty good job not sending any that had they were blind. Um, there is one that we sent that ended up having an eye issue that got past us, but. Besides that, I haven't heard any other problems. So I just wanted to check in with you guys. Um, did we do okay? Have you noticed that your roseline barbs, your gold roseline barbs can see and are able to swim normally and are eating fine and stuff? Um, or did anyone get any that had eye problems? If, if you wouldn't mind leaving a comment um, and making it at DanceFish so I see it, or sending me an email if you prefer, dan at dancefish.com. I'm just curious how good of a job we did because that's going to help me determine um, how we go forward with that species. So for those that don't know what I'm talking about, these gold and red or orange fish behind me 
um, are gold roseline barbs. They're really pretty. They're really hard to find. And a percentage of them develop eye problems. And so I've, I'm trying to make sure I have a screening method to, to screen for that so that I don't send people fish that can't see unless unless they want a special a fish with special special needs right so just curious how successful we were on that so your feedback would be helpful and uh again you can do it here in the chat I, we're transparent um we don't mind talking about problems because that helps us solve the problems or if you prefer we don't mind either if you want to send a private email not everyone wants to air their fish's issues in public and we're, we understand that too um so that's What's going on? Shipment report, it was a tough week for that. Warehouse is coming along beautifully. And um, checking in on the rose lines. The last thing is, before we get to your questions and comments, is the giveaway. So we are giving away some Synodontis negrita, which is a West African uh, species of catfish. There's Synodontis all over Africa. They, they, they're in the Rift Lakes. Um, where, you know, all the Malawi cichlids and all that, all where all that comes from. Um, and then they're also all the way over in the rainforests in West Africa. These came from Nigeria. They were collected in Nigeria. And we've had them for quite a while. They're, they're doing great. They're tough as nails. Um, depending on, right now I would say they're between, I didn't say two to four inches. I know that's a big spread, but man, three inches may be the biggest actually. Let's say two to four just to be safe in, in case there's a monster in there. Um, according to Seriously Fish, they're going to top out at uh, six to seven inches. Planet Catfish says that they could get maybe seven to eight inches, but they're not the monster Synodonis. So um, they don't get big like some of the Synodonis get really huge. They're not those. They're a small, a medium small, let's say, Synodonis species. But do be aware, um, they're not going to fit in a 10 gallon tank, right? They're going to need a little space when they're all grown up. But that is what the giveaway is for. They're a very peaceful catfish. Um, they will swallow any fish that fits in its mouth, but any fish will do that, right? Um, but they, they're not, if it doesn't easily fit in its mouth, they're, they're not going to bother it. Um, they're a great choice if you have um, more aggressive fish and are looking for tank mates. Um, they're one of the few species that can go with like jewel cichlids or, um, you know, other fish like that. They're just hard to find tank mates for. If you do put them in with more aggressive fish, like uh, some some of the different cichlids and things, then please have some nooks and crannies. And you can use simple PVC pipes or you can create nice rockwork caves or something. But they do give them a place to go hang out in and get away from it all. But they're very armored, they have really sharp spines, and they can kind of fend for themselves, provided they have a place of refuge that they can go to when they need to. So that's one of the best uses for synodonuses to make great tank mates for some of the cichlids that are hard to find tank mates for. Yeah. So that's that's what we're giving away. Um, oh, I should show you some pictures. Now, it's kind of weird because... Uh, some of these pictures, they're, they're highly varied, and I'm not sure they're all quite the right species. Um, there is a, a leucistic variant, a gold variant of these. And the best place I would say is go to Scott's cat, Scott cat here, S-C-O-T-C-A-T. -C -C 
Um, I don't want to do it live because I feel like I'd be like sharing their website live online. I don't know if that would infringe on copyrights or anything, but they have some great pictures of lots of different color phases and locations of this fish. So you can get a good, uh, good idea of how varied it is. Now, the last thing I want to say about them before we tell you how to do the giveaway, how to enter the giveaway for them is that, um, I'm not an expert on Synodonis identification. They were sold to me as Synodonis Negrita. I have no reason to think that they're anything different, but I also don't know enough to determine if they were anything different or not. I'm just not that um, savvy about identifying those fish. So as far as I know, they're Synodonis Negrita, but there's always the possibility that um, they, they could be something else. So um, just keep, keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm not expert enough to definitively know that that's what they are. I'm kind of trusting the the person that sold them to me with that. I haven't had any genetic analysis done or, or anything like that. So, But they're a cool catfish. And if you would like to have some, and you have a big enough tank um, for a, you know, a fish that gets maybe seven inch, six to eight inches, let's say, then um, to enter the giveaway is just hashtag catfish. I figured that was the safest way to do this one. Hashtag C-A-T-F-I-S-H. You catfishing me, <laughs> and um, and you'll be entered to win. Um, I'll send you uh, three to six of them. I haven't quite decided yet. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So that's how you enter the giveaway. And later on, we'll draw the lucky winner. And, uh, and I don't know what else to say, so awkward silence. Let's see. There was a super chat. Hey, Alexander left a super chat. Thank you so much, Alexander. Um, there was one above you though. And I feel really bad because it won't let me see it. And I can't call it up on the back door here. Whoever left the super chat earlier. Thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry. I literally can't scroll up far enough to see who left it at this point. So I'm sorry I missed it, but I did see that someone did. So I want to thank that person. <laughs> um, and Alexander Engelhart left one as well. Thank you so much, Alexander. Hey, I can type in the numbers on this thing. Instead of using the slider, it opens up all kinds of options. Awesome. Look at that. So we can do 102. We can get fancy. <laughs> Alexander, thank you so much for the continued support. It blows my mind every week when you leave such a generous super chat, but, um, Always appreciated, never required, but every bit's helpful when you're a, a starving startup. Let's put it that way. And I can't wait to go to Louisville and see y'all because uh, that's making that possible. So thank you. Cheers. All right. We had a whole lot of people enter catfish in the chat. And so, oh, wait, I can still see some. It didn't bounce everybody. Here's one. Orange cones. Hey, orange cones. I can't see you anymore. You are transparent. Keep up the good. No, great work. Hey, thank you. You as well. Thanks for all your help behind the scenes, Orange Cones. Um, there's a lot of people in our little community here that um, help behind the scenes. Um, it might be helping us source things that we need. It might be um, giving us advice and helping us uh, as we plan our business and our operations. It might be straight up 
investing financially in the company. There, there's lots of ways that people do things and a lot of people help out behind the scenes in lots of ways to make this little endeavor successful. And it's a much more successful endeavor because of it. So Orange Cones, you're one of those people that helps behind the scenes. So I just want to say thank you. And I'm transparent. Is that just because I switched screens? I hope so. <laughs> Carmo's Creations, thank you for all your hard work. Hey, it's, it doesn't feel like work. Even the worst day here it still doesn't feel like work. I was thinking about it. I was like, my worst day here is still better than other days I've had at other jobs. You know those jobs that you do to get through? Like the jobs you do because you're like, I got to pay rent. But you wake up in the morning, the alarm clock goes off, and it's like you press snooze a couple times because you really don't want to go. Yeah, I haven't had that since I started this 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 company. So I enjoy it. And I want to thank you guys for making it possible. Everyone that supports us, either by purchasing fish at dancefish.com or by super chats or spreading the word to their friends or whatever you're doing, um, participating in the chat even helps. Um, thank you guys for making it possible. So you're welcome, Carmos Creations. And to me, it's a dream come true. And it doesn't feel like work, even though sometimes it's super hard work, right? All right. Oh, I got to thank my moderators. Thank you to my moderators for doing what they do. Everyone who has a blue name is working behind the scenes to make this chat flow smoothly. And I want to thank them. Um, one of them, Kayla's Aquatics and Aquatics, hey Bob, is listing the Instagram where you can follow us. That's where we do most of the updates um, on the warehouse build. The other place is on the newsletter at dancefish.com. Once a month, we do a detailed kind of, here's what happened this last month in the construction of the new fish store. And on Instagram, whenever we see something cool happening in the build of the fish store, we take a picture and, you know, load it up for you. So that's more frequent, but less reliable. <laughs> Myrtle, to grab Dan's attention, please type at Dan's fish or Dan's fish, followed by your comment. That's right. Then it'll show up bright orange here, which is awesome and helps me look for comments and things. Maria, thank you as well for being here and doing what you do. Link in our store. That's awesome. Beck's Fish Room. Second try. Oh, yeah. Okay. So thank you. So it was Beck's Fish Room who left a uh, super chat before. All right. Thank you so much. My pygmy quarries I got from you have been breeding. Yes. Yes. Goal. We'll do a short one today just because uh, <laughs> I don't have it in me to do a Golasso. Um, yes, that's awesome. I have healthy fry. First time any of my fish have ever bred. Super excited. I'm super excited for you. That's great. Congratulations. Cheers. Uh, you know, cheers all around. <laughs> that's great to hear. Well, Bex, if you'd be so kind is to keep us posted on how it goes. Um, I think most people here would be interested in that. Oh, by the way, the newsletter for next month, it'll be released uh, February 1st, is awesome. Uh, we have some folks uh, that have contributed to an article, um, and they're doing an awesome job. And I think it's going to be the best one yet. So thanks to everyone who's contributing to that to make that a stellar, I think, 
Stellar little newsletter. I, I like I like it. Debbie Russell, what is your best tank mate suggestions for 90 gallon of Pandagara's Geophagus Fenai and Ram's Horned Snails? Okay, so it can't be too big and it can't be too mean and it can't eat snails. Oh, Debbie, the world's your oyster. There are just so many hundreds, if not thousands of possibilities in that size tank with those fish. What would really help, Debbie, is if you gave me a list of fish you're interested in. Um, a list of five to ten species that you like, and then I could kind of go over that list with you. But um, there are so many things that could go in there. So if you could help me narrow it down a bit into species you're interested in, then I could I could maybe get into it more with you. There's just so many suggestions. It's, it's too wide open right now. For me to to jump in. Rock and fish. Yes, my gold roseline barbs are doing great. Thanks. Okay, cool. So rock and fish's roseline barbs can see. All right, let's see if anyone else. Okay, I'm gonna looks like they are not all highlighted, but I'm gonna look at this section of the chat really carefully to see if I can um, get more feedback about the gold roseline barbs. Okay. Randy Payne, the three gold roseline barbs I got from you seem to be free of eye issues. Okay, good. Two so far. Solom Narabo, I love how those gold roseline barbs look. I want to put some into my 55. All right, well, if, if the feedback is good, if what we're doing is working, and those two comments make it seem like it was okay, um, and I'll check my emails afterwards. If, if, if what we're doing is working to get people healthy ones uh, without some of the issues they're known for, um, Solum, then I do plan to bring in um, a fairly large batch if, I can, if, they have, if, they're, if they're available. They're hard to get, but that's, uh, that's the plan. If this is working, and everyone's getting good fish, then we'll, we'll continue with that. Reels tanks. I have a new 100-gallon tank and want 10 Cynodonis multipunctatus. What cichlids to add to the tank? Um, I'm finding that the um, Turkana jewel cichlid, super beautiful fish. I have a, I've had a big group of them. I mean, I'm selling them gradually, so the group's getting smaller and smaller. But they did awesome with Cynodonus ocellifer, and I think they would do fine with multipunctatus as well. I wouldn't put them in with tiny little multipunctatus. Sometimes when you buy those things, they're like half an inch. But as long as they have a little size to them, I think they'll get along well. Um, in fact, I think, I think most West African cichlids and probably most Rift Lake cichlids that don't get too huge could probably go with multipunctatus. They're, again, if there's caves or pipes and all that stuff where you have an area of refuge um, and put them in at night so that they have a chance to get in there or turn the lights off, darken the tank, right? If you already have cichlids in there all established, let the catfish have a night or some darkness where they can get in there, find the spots, get comfortable um, before they have to compete with the cichlids. But there, there's so many that could go well with those. But I really like the... Uh, Hemichromus exul with mycin adonis, they're doing really well and they're just so pretty. 
We just got catfish. That's where I am in the chat. And chat jumped. Ooh, chat jumped hard. Come on, let me up. Oh, okay, there we go. It wasn't going to let me up. <laughs> okay, I'm scrolling up because chat jumped. Okay, just got down to the plethora of catfish entries. How's this going? So we've got 92 folks who have entered to win some Synodonis uh, Negrita. Good, good deal. By the way, you only have to enter once. Uh, spamming it doesn't help. Just just once, please. Uh, 503 Aquatics, hey, good to see you. I hope you're doing well. It was a pleasure to meet you uh, at uh, Fishtoberfest in Portland, and I hope you're doing great. Next left to Super Chat, yep. I and I finally saw it. <laughs> at least the second one. Josh uh, Modesti, how do they do with plants? I assume you're asking about the Synodonis uh, Negrita that we're giving away. And the answer to that is I don't really know. Um, I think I have Java Fern, Java Moss, and Water Sprite in with mine, and they're fine. Um, I don't think they're going to chow down on plants. I think they are going to look for protein more than plants. But could someone tell me, um, if you've kept them in a planted tank, any Synodonis-type catfish, have they done well or have they mowed down the plants? I, I doubt it, but I don't want to say they'll be fine and then have you put them in your prized uh, plant tank and just thrash it. I think they'll be fine, especially with hardy stuff like Valisneria and oh, Sag and stuff. Sammy, 3D. Do you ever have any long fin white cloud minnows? I only see goldens. I, I am trying. I have yet to find um, a steady, a good supplier of long finned white clouds or long fin gold white clouds. I, I, I can get the golds and the regulars, but long fins have been rough for me. Well, I could get them, but, but from a good supplier, I'm having trouble. A train. Yeah. They may eat my smaller fish. So I'm sitting this one out. Yeah. I realize this giveaway isn't going to work for everybody. Um, you know, they might, these Synodonis catfish might get too big for some folks. I totally understand that. Yeah. Greg Van Fleet, any new rainbows in yet? No, but uh, they should arrive tomorrow. So tomorrow I should have some pretty cool stuff, Greg. Um, one species in particular that I'm very excited about, I've been looking for for a couple years and have finally been able to get my hands on some. Just fingers crossed they arrive in good shape at this point. So that's tomorrow when the new the new arrivals all, all show up tomorrow. <laughs> Provided the airlines run. <laughs> it's been it's been weird lately. Oh, I should say the Southwest lifted their embargo on um, shipping live fish yesterday or maybe Monday. Like things are getting back to normal, but it's been it's been a weird week for sure. Kaylee's Aquatics and Exotics, we have Pippi Longstocking doing what Pippi does. Thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate the super chat. As you know, always appreciated. Thank you so much. Orange Cones, hey, should have a shipping date for you by 2 p.m. tomorrow. That's amazing. So there's a piece of equipment that I've been trying to get. Has it been nine months now? I've been trying to get for months and orange cones helped me um, get a hold of someone that could actually get me this piece of equipment um, a few months ago. And we got the, we got the order put in and everything and thought, 
the things were in progress and then crickets. Like I've called, I've emailed, I haven't heard anything back. So Orange Cones is working magic again. And um, looks like we might actually have a thank you so much. Appreciate it. Liquid Zoo, only fins. Everything okay with Get Gills? Haven't seen him comment in weeks. Oh, yes. Um, everything is amazing with Get Gills. So that's Jonathan, a.k.a. Random Arms. Um, he has a family thing going on. So he went back to the farm to take care of that. And um, I don't think he would mind me telling you guys what it is, but I don't want to do that. I'll leave that to him to tell you. But yes, it's everything's good. And the reason he went back is, is a very good thing. Um, but he's... Uh, been tied up with uh, a very important family thing for the last little while. So, yep. Um, he'll be back out here soon enough, but yep, that's what's going on there. Uh, Max, Max's dad, Chris, how is the fishing going to run when the river is frozen? Good question. So only the top of the river freezes. Um, underneath the ice, there's plenty of water moving. And okay, let me see if I can show you this. I'm going to attempt to bring up attempt. Let's see if this will works and makes sense. A, uh, a drawing, a engineered drawing of how this is going to work. Okay. Hang on. Here we go. It's a, it's a lot of clicks to get there. So, I guess the best way to describe it is, while I'm pulling this up, is we're not drawing from the top of the stream, we're drawing from the bottom of the stream, of the, of the water column. Okay. All right. There we go. Okay. So this dotted line right here is the stream bank, or the river bank this area with all these rocks in it is the work we're doing. So basically we're digging out all this area, filling it with rocks and gravel and things. Um, and what's going to happen is the water is going to flow through all these rocks and into our collection system, which looks like this. So this is an elevation of it. So the bottom of the stream is down here and our collection system is below that. So basically all these rocks here, this water right here in the creek will be flowing over here through all these rocks. The ice will be at the top and we'll have all this water down here flow down here into these pipes and all these pipes collect that water and flow into our cistern and our cistern here has a big pump that pumps it up to the warehouse. So that's how it works. So it's the bottom, it's, it's the entire water column basically that flows into this rock bed, is collected and, and goes into our collection system. Now we aren't diverting the stream. Let me, let me rephrase that. Um, we're not collecting enough that we're gonna have an impact on the stream's level, but that's how it's, uh, it's, Basically, think of it like a septic system, but instead of discharging water through leach lines and stuff, you're collecting water into a center cistern instead of dispersing it from the cistern. That's basically how it's working. So 
we're not yeah it's basically we're replacing the bank with a bunch of rock and the water will flow through that um, into our collection system all right let me see where i can okay next one here yeah the, the river doesn't freeze solid there's there's plenty of flowing water under the ice Skipper's Aquariums, I have sad news. I lost all my Corydoras paleotis longfin that I got off of you two years ago to a disease. Oh, man. I couldn't get to it in time because I was sick myself. Well, first of all, I hope you're feeling better. It's no fun. And second of all, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, in two years, were you able to get any babies and stuff, though? Hopefully the line continues, but... If not, um, once the tank is settled and all that, uh, Skipper's Aquariums, I, I do have some more Paleotis long fins. They're smaller right now, though. They aren't going to be big like the ones you had after two years, but um, I do have some. I like that fish. Just It's, it's a unique looking with that tall dorsal fin. But I'm so sorry, Skipper, to hear that. That's a bummer. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, here's the update. Nope, we already we already got all the updates, right? You've raised a bunch of fish to like two inches, so we're good. <laughs> How would you culture earthworms to gut load them? I'm currently feeding them zucchini, kale, and vegetables, asking for a puffer friend or 12. Um, I don't know. I've never kept like a long-term big earthworm culture going, so I don't know. If anyone here has kept that, would you let us know? I would like to recommend a book to you, though. It's by Michael Helwig. Um, and I think it's called Live Aquarium Food. Helwig? Did I spell that right? Uh, no. Okay, hang on. Let me find it. Live Aquarium Food in Books. Books. Maybe it's Hellwag. There it is. Here it is. It's called Culturing Live Foods, a step-by-step -step guide for culturing one's own food for the home aquarium by Mike Hellweg. And I love this book. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's There's also another one, the Encyclopedia. Come on. Come on, mouse. Work. Encyclopedia. Here it is. The Encyclopedia of Live Foods. Um, this is the one I started out with when I was a kid. It's a pretty good book, but it's very dated. Um, Mike Helwig's book is quite easy to understand and, you know, is modernized. So he has a great section there unculturing earthworms and uh yeah, i'd refer you to him just because i don't really know i wish i could help you more that being said anyone here who cultures earthworms would you chime in and let's help mountaintop puffer keeper out because he's got a lot of hungry puffers to feed sohan warusha 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 hey nan when are you getting new rainbow fish import rise tomorrow now they got to get through quarantine and everything. So, uh, you know, towards the end of the month, what if they come tomorrow, then they'd be ready. Then I could post them say on the 26th of this month. 
because we have at least two weeks of quarantine before we'll sell them. Hey, train. I'm looking into bottom dwellers for my 20 gallon. I am worried that the gravel wouldn't be the best for corridors. Are there other any quarries or other species that can tolerate gravel substrate? Yes. Um, quarries actually can do fine on gravel. Um, honestly, I think it's more a case. So, okay. How much do I want the internet to hate me? <laughs> hmm. There are certain substrates that fish tank lore says you should not put quarries on because they'll destroy their barbels, right? Um, but I've seen quarries kept successfully on um, pull filter sand. You're not supposed to do that because it's too sharp. In fact, I'm doing it right now um, on lots of different gravels and things without having any trouble. My suspicion is that what's happening is that if the quarries are in a tank and the water parameters are bad, then that's probably the issue more than the gravel. That's, that's just my take on it from my experience in what close friends and, and other folks I know um, have experienced. And I've observed them experience when I visit their fish rooms and stuff. So my thought is it's less about the gravel and more about clean water. Um, maybe when the water's not as clean, the barbels can get infected and stuff, and, and then you have problems. So that's my thoughts. Um, but it, but if you really want to steer away from it, I mean, quarries are quarries. They, they all have barbels. So if gravel's bad for quarries, that's going to be all of them. But if you want another bottom dweller that might be fine with it, um, something to hang out and I would something like maybe a pandagara, maybe Siamese algae eaters, um, what else? Those all get a little bigger than quarries. Okay. I mean, I want to say coolie loaches. They probably bury right down in the gravel and love squirming in between it. Um, and I realize that probably triggers some people, but I've seen coolie loaches kept long-term in gravel tanks and thrive. Okay, on the bottom, maybe some gobies. There's lots of gobies that are bottom dwellers that uh, would probably do okay as well. In fact, they live on gravel in the wild. So your stiffodons and, and things like that would probably be good choice as well. So um, those are my thoughts, A-Train. And I I know we're probably going to get a bunch of comments about, <laughs> about what I just said there. And that's fine. We can agree to disagree. That's not a problem. All right, let's see here. Catching up here. Skippers Aquarius, thanks for linking to dancefish.com where folks can buy our stuff. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for being here and moderating. Okay, making sure I didn't miss anybody. Okay, Dragon Lair, are they Rift Lake Synodonis? No, the Synodonis that I have are from West Africa. They were collected in Nigeria, so other side of the continent, um, very far away from the Rift Lakes. Now, that doesn't mean they're sensitive to water parameters. Uh, if you have hard alkaline water, they'll be just fine. They're tough, tough, tough fishies. They'll be fine in, in soft acidic water. They'll be fine in hard alkaline water. Mark Sloan, 
I kept synodonis petricola with my Africans and also bred them. Mine do well with plants. Okay, thank you, Mark, for letting us know. Hopefully that helps the folks that were asking about that. Posiwi, your chat is top chat. So I, so I don't know why it shows you that. Um, I know that on the screen you're seeing, it shows that I'm in top chat, but I'm not. This is what I see. I'm in live chat. So it's constantly confusing for folks. I, I get it. But thanks for the warning, because if I was in top chat, I would want to switch it. So I do appreciate that. But for some reason, the screen you guys see says top chat when I'm actually in live chat. Don't know how to change that. Swamp Thing. Have you seen Melanotania laticlava bows for import? As you know, I have the Kali Jamas, which are suspected to be laticlava. Yeah, probably a different location of laticlava. They're just fantastic, and I would love another location for these. Um, Swamp Thing, I can bring them in, and I did bring them in before. Um... They sold very slowly, though, so I kind of haven't brought any more in. Um, and I think the minimum I'd have to buy is either two dozen. It's either like 26 or 52, and I can't remember which of those it is. Um, so, I mean, if you want a group of them, I could bring in a couple dozen. And if, if you took a group and I could probably sell a few of them, um, fish like that. I'm not sure what it is. I really think it's hard to photograph them well. Um, and so people just, when you're shopping online, you're shopping based on photographs, I guess a lot of people, if they haven't ever seen them and don't know what their true potential is, and um, so a lot of clava doesn't often doesn't photograph and, and look great in pictures. So I think that might be it. But if you'd send me an email, um, Swamp Thing, you know the email, but dan at dansfish.com. Um, let me know what size group you're looking at. And next time I order from my rainbow breeder, um, see if I can get some for you. And I'll see if I can find out which location they are in advance, too, to see if they're a location you're interested in. Debbie Russell, how about a 90-gallon? Okay, cool. Rainbows, angels, epistos, Bolivian rams, and or cribs. We have the four Svenai. So you have the Svenai, the um, Pandagara, right? And the um, ram's horn snails. So I think rainbows would be amazing in that tank. They would go just fine. Angels would be fine. Epistos I wouldn't do uh, just because I, they might be fine. But they're going to be in the same area of the tank as the as the Geophagus Sveni. Um, they're both kind of bottom dwellers. So I would probably not do the Epistos. Although I think you could, especially if they were good-sized adults. Uh, they'd probably be okay. Rams, same thing. Cribs, same thing. So of that list, now you totally could. I'm sure Cribs would be fine with them. I'm sure Rams would be fine with them. But you've already got that area kind of filled with the Sveni. So... And the Sveni are going to get big and beautiful. If they're not, if they're not grown up yet, they're going to be worth the wait to give them that space. So my recommendation of that list would be rainbows. Yes, they're going to be more midwater and upper level. They'll add a sense of activity to the tank that the Sveni and the Pandagara don't contribute. And um, I think 
Angels would be fine too. But when I think of the... So fish, it's, it's color, it's where they live, it's what niche they have, it's behavior. Um, but it's also kind of like... I don't know, it's like a piece of music, right? Um, each fish has its own tempo. And if a piece of music just does the same thing over and over again, like bum, 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 after a while, that gets kind of boring. But if you add a little bit of this to it, you know, something like that, it starts to get a little more interesting. And then you build stuff into that, right? Aquarium can be kind of the same way. It's like a piece of music. So the Sveni are going to be kind of slower moving, really pretty fish, but kind of a slower moving, bum, bum. Bomb. Yeah, the rainbows, you're going to get a lot of activity. So that's going to be like, right? Um, so, so that's one way to think of a tank. And so the angels are going to be kind of the same cadence as the Sveni, kind of bomb, bomb, bomb. But the rainbows are going to be really active. So when I think of that list and I think of a tank that way as a piece of music, I'd go with the rainbows. Um, hope that made sense. <laughs> The, the way I think is not for everybody. I get it. Killers Aquatics and Exotics throwing down another super chat. I don't know what I did to deserve all the love, Bob, but thank you so much. Always appreciated. Never required. But you know it makes Brenda super happy when money falls out of the computer screen every week. So thank you. <laughs> oh, wait. It's another kind of dude version of Pippi Longstocking. It's literally the same animation. Just different hair and no pom-poms. Hey, why can't dudes have pom-poms? Come on, fair is fair. <laughs> Thanks again, Bob. David W., how often do you expect to have to dredge the silt from your gravel area? We won't know that until we're operating. My hope is not more than every five years. Uh, the engineers done quite a bit of testing on different sizes of gravel and, and reading and research on it and stuff. So we think we picked the right one, um, but we really don't know. The good news is it's a massive gravel bed. It's, uh, well, let me show you. I think it's 80 feet by 40 feet or something like that. Let me look real quick at that. Well, I, I guess I don't have to look at the plans. It's, it's big. And so there's a ton of surface area. Uh, if one section gets a little, it's going to take a long time to silt it in, we think. So my hope is... We won't have to uh, remove the gravel and replace it more than every five years. Be great if it's every 10 years. If it's every year, that's going to be a pain in the tuchus, but we'll make it work. So we, we don't know until we actually get in there. It also depends on this time of year. Um, during the winter, it, it's, it runs really clear. I mean, there's still silt building up on the bottom, but um, the, the water column itself runs clear. In the summer, there's some... Um, people upstream from us use it for irrigation and things. And so that washes silt into the river. And so um, during the summer, it gets quite a bit of silt in the water column. So depending on the time of year too, we'll, we'll have some impact on how quickly it, it fills with silt. But David, we don't know. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things when you're doing something for the first time, you're trying to innovate in things that you plan your best, you do your calculations, and then you do it and see what reality is. And we're, we're going to find out what reality is as we operate. 
at least on that on that uh, particular item. Jacob Ronder, any idea on Negrita's water parameters? Do most Cynodonis fall in a similar range? No, Cynodonis have a massive range. Some from the Rift Lakes, like it's super hard and alkaline. Think of basically salt water without a lot of without a lot of uh, sodium hydrochloride in it. It's got a lot of other minerals in it. Um, and then others in West Africa live in rainforests and come from really soft, acidic, peat-stained black water and everything in between. Um, but the ones that we have, they're going to do fine in hard alkaline water or soft, acidic water. They're they're very, very hardy. House fish. My Cynodonis shodeni is in a heavily planted 40-gallon, hasn't eaten plants, won't even touch boiled zucchini. It may accidentally uproot plants if frightened, but that's true of any fish. Okay, great. How? thank you for the feedback on uh, that. Yeah, I've never seen Cynodonis bother plants. And they, they aren't really diggers either. So I don't think they're going to dig down like a cichlid and uproot plants. Yeah, I mean, if they get frightened and like swim into a plant, they might tear it out. I get that. Okay, Hal, thank you. That's very helpful feedback. Eric Negrin, Dan, are you concerned about possible water contamination from upstream? Yes, absolutely. That's why we have those massive carbon filters. Um, there's very few things that will enter the stream that the carbon wouldn't take care of. So it's, it's almost overkill though. That's like a thriving trout stream. There's shiners in it. There's all kinds of fish in it that are actually pretty sensitive to chemicals. And so, um, I don't think we have to do the carbon block filters, not block filters, the big carbon filters. Um, but the reason we're doing it is if something did happen, if someone was using fertilizer upstream and it washed in, or um, one of the bridges over the stream, if someone like if some oil dropped in or, you know, any of those things, it's basically a fail safe. It's, it's just a layer of protection. But that's why we have those massive carbon block filters. So if anything did happen, um, that would that would be to counteract that. So we have manual removal with sediment. We have chemical removal with the carbon, and we have sterilization with the UV filters. And beyond that, I don't I don't know that there's a whole lot more we could do besides ozone. But the UV will take care of what ozone would take care of. So. But yes, we're concerned about it, and that's why we designed it that way. Red light robot. What do mamirid eggs look like? I don't know. I've never seen them. I'm finding peppercorn-sized bright orange eggs. The robefish are too young from what I'm told. It's a mystery so far. Those sound like robefish eggs to me. Um, check it. There's some videos of robefish breeding on YouTube, and they look like small little salmon eggs. Um, peppercorn-sized Orange eggs sounds like they might be rope fish to me. My senses, I haven't ever seen them, but I would bet that mamirids lay tons and tons of tiny little eggs. Not anything nearly as big as a peppercorn, but, but tiny little, little like egg scatterer sized eggs. That would be my guess. Don't know for sure, but yeah, I. If I had to bet on it, that's what I would put my money on without doing any research or ever having seen them just from uh, 
thinking about that fish's lifestyle. Chris Colvin, hey, love those archers in the tank behind you. I know, I do too. Are they particularly difficult to keep? They seem like very unique fish and gorgeous, in my opinion. Chris, they're not difficult to keep. These are, um, the thing that makes most archer fish species hard to keep is they require salt in the water. They come from salt water or fresh water or everything in between, but they usually are in like an estuary where the tide comes in, the tide goes out. So they aren't ever very long without salt water, usually. This species is different. This is a freshwater landlocked species. So um, these don't ever have salt in the wild. And so not having to mess with salt, in my opinion, makes them a lot easier to keep. So that's why I chose this species. Um, and they're super hardy. Now here's the thing with archerfish. Depending on how they're treated when they're imported, they can be super hardy or they can have problems right after import. Um, sometimes they come in and they're very emaciated. They obviously have not been treated as they should be. Other times they come in and they're robust and ready to go. So I would say that once they've settled in from import, they're rock solid. I mean, I've had these for a long time. I've had and sold lots of um, these and in general, they do well. The, the one time I had problems was an import that came in super emaciated, really bad shape, nursed them back to health for several months, got them fat, thought that they were ready to go, shipped them to a friend, and they didn't do well. So there was some residual thing that even though it looked like they had recovered from import, they had been um, weakened so much that maybe they would never fully recover, like something really severe had happened that I couldn't see. So that's happened to me once. Um, besides that experience, every other group I've had has been really hardy and I've been able to nurse them back to health if they did come in poorly and they did well for my customers. And in general, they come in in, in good shape. But that's that's my take on those. If, if they recover from import, they're generally rock solid. Swamp Thing throwing down a super chat with some hippos. Hey, thanks, Swamp Thing. Much appreciated. Never required, but it's helpful. Okay, search in here. Oh, chat. Mm, chat jumped again. Hang on. I got to do this thing so I can scroll up and find out everyone that was left behind when chat jumped. Okay, got it. Debbie Russell, would plecos a different species interbreed? It depends on how closely related they are. A lot of them will. Um, there's a big problem with hypencystris and like, is that really that species or is that a hybrid? In fact, um, got a guy right now that's interested in, uh, in some of my plecos and that's one of the big questions. <laughs> so, you know, if they're closely related enough, they can. The, the bushy nose that we have in the hobby, we know that's an incestrous, but we often don't know if it's like a pure species or early on before they knew all the different species where they put together and bred together and stuff. So yes, plecos will, will hybridize. They will interbreed depending on how closely related they are. I don't think you're going to have a problem with a bushy nose hybridizing with a hypencystris. And if it did, I don't think you're going to be confusing the babies with the parents. I think you'll know something weird happened. It's not going to be a question. Um, we think of plecos as one group of one kind of thing, but there's actually a whole lot of variation, a whole lot of different um, 
genuses and things uh, within the, the things that we call plecos. So they can. It just depends on which ones they are. Marie Z, my gold rose lines are doing great with no issues. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. So, so far, no one has said that the um, gold rose lines that they had, that they got from us, um, have eye issues. So it looks like our screening was pretty good with one exception that I know of so far, where one fish developed an eye problem um, and it got past us. Okay, well, that's okay. Maybe we'll continue bringing those in then. Um, I still want to keep bringing them in if it's like every time we bring them in, everyone's disappointed with them. <laughs> See, I saw something here. Oh, Vivian says, my quarries do great with gravel. Barbels are perfect. They are happy and breed constantly. Yeah, I, I really think it's a water quality issue. So I guess maybe, maybe the way to look at that is this. If you, if someone's a new fish keeper and maybe is still learning how to do it and all that, then maybe keeping them on sand or bare bottom would be, would be better for corridors. Cause if they do get a little nick in their barbel from gravel and the water quality is bad, you know, that, that might, that might be an issue. But if you know how to keep your parameters nice and keep a tank clean and well-maintained, um, if you're experienced enough to provide a nice steady, clean environment for your fish, then maybe gravels ain't no think. I don't know. This just a thought. <laughs> Chris Colvin, I have synodus. I can never say this one. <laughs> Eupterus that I rescued, and it appears to have his gills slightly peeled forward and looks similar to ammonia burn I've seen before. Is there any way to treat this? So it depends. Sometimes the operculum's just straight up deformed. Um, it, maybe it got injured or maybe, uh, it was born that way. Maybe there's a genetic reason for it. And you can, you'll see that in lots of different fish where a small percentage of the batch. And by the way, this can happen in wild fish too. Um, anytime there's a deformity, people sometimes often shout inbreeding, inbreeding, but I get a lot of wild fish in and I see a lot of deformities. So it's not always because of us inbreeding in aquariums, but anyway, side note. So um, but we'll see lots of fish with uh, misshapen operculums. Sometimes they're missing altogether, um, both in captive bred aquarium raised um, fish and also in wild caught fish, less in wild caught fish, but it can happen. Or it could be that the gills are inflamed, in which case, um, gotta determine why they're inflamed and, and treated. Is it ammonia burn? Or do they have a, a parasite in the gills irritating the gills or a bacterial infection, a viral infection? Uh, is there something in the water quality that's irritating them? Basically, if the gills are inflamed, it's because it's of irritation. So um, I'm not a veterinarian. Let me put that disclaimer there, but I think that's safe to say. So could be that the fish is perfectly healthy. It just has a misshapen or injured operculum, a gill cover, or it could be that the gill tissue inside is inflamed and and then you got something you got to treat if you can. Well, I don't want to say jump to treatment, but have a problem that potentially uh, got to find out what's causing it so it can be resolved. And there's lots of things that could, could cause it. Um, so it's not something that, that I could determine just in a conversation. Um, it might take a, 
a veterinarian's exam or something to determine what's going on there. Debbie Russell, just my thinking. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Debbie. Um, rainbows are amazing. And I think with geophagus fenni, they're going to look great. And I've kept lots of rainbows with lots of different geophagus. And attitude-wise, they seem to get along just fine. Um, just make sure you feed enough that the sveni get a bite because rainbow fish can be quick to the food. But sveni can too once they learn where the food is. I agree. David W. says, watching 30 Cory swim up to greet me never gets old. Yep, I agree. Timbo, tanking it easy. What about pesticides and such leaching in from the crops? Is that a big concern? Yep, that's why we have the big carbon filters. Yes. Um, now, luckily, it's not a lot of crops up there. Um, trying to think what's along the creek above us. And it's not a long haul either. We're It's like a 10, 15 minute drive to the mountains and the creek flows right down the mountains to where our, our store, our store is being built. So, um, it, it's not like it has a ton of agriculture it's going through. Mostly what it is, is people watering lawns, um, things like that. There might be a little bit of like hay being grown in bailed. Um, but it's, it's not like people, it's not like cornfields or, you know, any big agriculture going on, at least plant-based stuff. And I don't think there's any big ranches or anything either, um, out that direction. Some folks have some cows out in the backyard. It's a hobby. I mean, we're in Wyoming, right. Or some horses and stuff like that, but nothing like producing. So there's not a ton of that, but again, that's what the carbon's for. Yes. Oh, hang on. Chat jumped. Okay. Red light robot. Thanks, brother. The Mamirid are the baby whale variety and are really active with each other, but mainly feigning aggression for territory. Yeah, I mean, if they're kept in a group, I don't know how many you have, but whenever I've seen Mamirids kept together, the baby whales and stuff, um, yeah, there's some hierarchy stuff going on, but in a group, there's not, no one gets picked on. They tend to do really well. <laughs> Kids Aquatics and Exotics is throwing down the all-time like the top three that the, he's, he's going for the the top stickers here thank you bob so much oh and what a generous super chat thank you so much that's a that's very generous of you thank you bob um yep we've got lady pippy dude pippy and then the other one which i guess isn't so much a pippy although I always kind of think of them as pippies when they're jumping up and cheering like that. But <laughs> thank you, Killers Aquatics. I appreciate it so much. All right. Now we got a fox cat and we'll be done. <laughs> um, okay. Bunny Viper. Hey, good to see you, Bunny Viper. I, I hope you're doing well. Hey, Dan, I look forward to the three pairs of lime green endlers. Any idea when you might have in the South American small-scaled archers or clouded? Thank you. You rock. Um, let's see here. 
So freshwater archer fish, there's a couple species. One is a small scale archer fish and the other is the clouded, which is what I have here. So um, they're one of those fish that is sporadically available. There is a supplier I can get them from probably now, but it's they're not. I'm trying to stick with suppliers that treat the fish more humanely. Um, so there are some suppliers that I can get stuff from, but I'm a little resistant to doing it just because I don't like how they treat the fish. Frankly, that's what it is. Um, but I'm still looking and I do plan to bring some more of the clouded archers in. Yes. And if I can find more of the small scale archers, I've only been able to find them once. Then I will bring them in as well. Um, but I, I've got a, there's some improvements that need to be made with some of the suppliers before I'm comfortable doing, you know, much with them. So uh, we're, we're really trying to make a difference in the fish industry and uh, we're doing that in how we treat fish on our end and how we get them to our customers. Um, almost always in great shape. Um, this last week was rough. <laughs> it was one of those weeks. We have one or two bad weeks a year. I, I mean, still not as bad when you look at the numbers, but bad for us. But uh, we, we try to do that. And but we're not just thinking what we're doing. We're also thinking, what does the fish go through before it gets to us? And we're trying to only do business with um, suppliers who make a real effort to do right by the fish. Yeah, I'm going to put it that way. All right. <laughs> Canada's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down another super chat. It is a fox cat, but it's not even punching me in the face. So I got to see a fox cat and I didn't even have to get hurt. Ah, oh, what a great night. <laughs> Thanks, Canada's Aquatics and Exotics. Appreciate you, Bob. Um, and uh, on, on so many levels for everything you do, both here and behind the scenes, just thanks. Sincerely, sincerely. Um, you're a big part of why this is happening, and I'm very appreciative. Thank you. What I thought would happen there was um, Ed would pop in with his little fox cat punching me in the face. But instead, I got this one, and it didn't even hurt. <laughs> All right, Bunny Viper, would a 180 be overstocked with nine angels, seven wine milleri, seven uh, threadfin acaras, two rose lines? Are we talking two rose line um, rasboras, I think, and three archers? No, you're not even close. Maybe some bristlenose. It's adding the angels I'm really worried about. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's that I could see why um, big groups of angels tend to do pretty well with each other though um, if they pair off they'll guard a little corner that's a big enough tank that if they pair off they'll guard a little corner they'll spawn and then they'll kind of mix back in but what I would say is that what I found is the angelfish and archer fish are similar enough in body shape that I'd probably do one or the other um, I've had angelfish in this tank with the archers and it's kind of like, like that music we were talking about. It's kind of the same cadence as the archers in body shape 
and kind of an activity. Angels might move, a, no, they kind of move the same. They're, none of them are, you know, as far as how active they are and how they move about the tank, they're not the same, but they're similar enough that I would, personally, I would choose between them. And if you're worried about the angelfish for aggression issues, that'll solve that problem. If you're worried about the angelfish for overstock issues, you're, you could put a lot more fish than that in there. Um, the question is how, you know, if you never want to maintain the tank, if you're like, I hate water changes or I'm not able to do water changes or whatever, um, then, then yeah, not putting a ton of fish in there is great. They'll get big, they'll get beautiful and you won't have to do a ton of maintenance. Um, but in 180, you could get quite a few more than that in there, I think. And, what I'm thinking, this is just my opinion, you do you, girl, but what I'm thinking, Bunny Viper, is if you're talking about two rose line barbs, I would up that to like a dozen in a tank that size. They'll add a different cadence, they'll add a different activity, it'll be just a whole different thing to kind of tie stuff in together. So anyway, that's my thought. I don't think you're overstocked at all. And um, that's a nice list of fish. They're all going to grow big and beautiful. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good start. Chris Colvin, throwing down a super chat. Thanks for the awesome content and answering my questions. Happy to do it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the super chat, but also thanks for just participating. Thanks for giving me some comments and questions to riff off. I appreciate that, too. And and you're, you're very, very welcome, Chris. Kelly Foreman. Hey, Kelly. Good to see you. Just catching the last part of the stream. I feel like I missed all the fun. Yeah, we have had some fun. Um, glad you could join us. The beginning of the stream wasn't too fun. Um, just the shipping report is not as good as I would have wanted this week. There were a lot of issues with transport, let's say. But once we got past that, it got real fun. But um, as a longtime member of the community, Kelly, it might be interesting just to watch the first few minutes for the shipping report. Um, once or twice every year, a perfect storm happens and stuff gets delayed. And that happened uh, this time. So we had to get through that. But then we had fun. <laughs> okay. Scrolling here. This chat did the jumpity jumps. Holy cow, it's already 819. Man, you guys make my Wednesday evenings fly by. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making this so much fun. Appreciate it. Wichita Falls Fish Keeper. Wichita, it's great to see you. I hope you're doing well. Speaking about bristlenose, my snow white bristlenose male just bred with a female Wabenmuster. It was accidental when I moved fish around for maintenance. Yep, they can definitely do that. And it's kind of cool that you got a snow white male that's breeding. That's cool. All right, thanks for chiming in on your experience with that. Now, the Snow Whites I'm familiar with. I want to look up this Wobbin Muster here. Okay, well, let me copy and paste because I don't want to try to spell that. Okay, let's all learn together here. I've heard this name before, but I'm not versed enough on my plecos to remember off the... Oh, okay, yeah, with the larger pattern on it. Yes, yes, I got gotcha. you. Okay, that's a cool looking fish. Wow, that's really cool. Um, I have some opal spots 
arriving tomorrow, I hope, if, if everything goes well. So I'm pretty excited about those. But these are cool, too. Yeah, those look great. I wonder what those babies are going to look like. <laughs> like a snow white fish with like almost stingray pattern on it from the Wobbin Buster. That would be cool. <laughs> anyway, red light robot, five baby whales. The largest is easily three times the size of the smallest. I think that's the female. Thanks so much. Hey, you're welcome. And yeah, they, I mean, in groups, they do great. It always makes me a little sad when I see a baby whale by itself um, because they are a gregarious fish and they communicate with each other all the time. They're sending out all these little electrical pulses talking to each other. And if you're that fish and you're sending out all these electrical pulses and you're never getting any, you're never receiving anything back, um, that's got to make you feel a little weird. So I'm glad to hear you've got a group of them. Andre Long, my blind gold roseline barbs that I got elsewhere have been eating well and growing. Thanks again for the advice. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad they're doing well. Um, and I've got a few out of that, well, out of this batch, plus the previous batch. Um, the previous batch had quite a few with eye issues in it. Um, I have seven blind ones and uh, they're doing pretty well too. So I think as long as they're in a tank without a lot of food competition and they have a lot of dwell time with the food they can find it and go over and spend time with it right um that they'll do fine so i'm glad to hear that yours are doing fine mine are too and once i'm once i've got them real fat and sassy um i might do a giveaway of, of like blind roseline um barbs i just have to make sure that everyone knows that their special needs and kind of how to take care of them and stuff but um I think enough people like special needs fish and I and like that fish in particular that we could find a, a good long-term home for them or I'll keep them too. I've, I've got certain fish here that I just keep cause, cause they're fine. I don't want to kill them. Right. It's no reason to cull by killing. You can cull by separation. Um, oh, chat, hang on. Chat jumpity jumped. Oh, it's still doing it. Just a sec. Woo. Lots of jumps there. David W., any idea how long until you have mini snowballs back in or how many we can expect? So I expect to have a group of them arrive tomorrow. Um, I don't know until they arrive if they will, but that's what I expect. And I don't know the condition they'll be in until I get them. But I will say that all the other ones I've got are from the same breeder and they've all been great. So I'll be bringing some in for sure. Um, and um, how many can we expect? I think I've got at least 40, 50 of them, at least, that I'll be posting. So, yeah. I ordered more. We'll see how many actually show up. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Are red-eye puffers seasonal imports or quality wild-caught rare on lists? So, they are very sporadic. Um, I don't know if it's so much with the seasons as um, there's not necessarily... I'd have to look on the map and see where they're getting them from to know this for sure. But sometimes it's seasonal, like during the floods, you can't get to the fish, right? Um, 
or they're just trying to you know keep populations stable. So there's only a certain months out of the year you can collect them. Sometimes those just because they're in a more remote area where there isn't a kind of a, a funnel to the industry set up yet, and so you have to wait for someone who really wants them to go out and collect them and bring them in. So I don't know which of those it is, but they are sporadically available. They're on the lists all the time. And I've ordered them many, many, many times. I've only had them show up once. So in my mind, it's probably just they're off the beaten path is my guess. I'm I'm talking about the Irubinesco, um, which with the common names, I'm not sure if that's the same puffer you're referring to, but all those, uh, what is it? Carino tetraodon. Is that what that genus is? All of those tend to be pretty sporadically, um, available. Michael Mellier, Bentley Pasco and Dean's Fisher and keep the Wabin muster. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm aware of Bentley's. I didn't know. I think I am. I think I'm aware of Bentley's. <laughs> I'm just like the ancestress um, are not something that I'm well versed in. Let's put it that way. Ow. No. Is that AI or Al? I always forget. Yoda Kraken? <laughs> Hailmonger, FYI, purchased six small-scale archer fish from you, 8 to 20, I'm sorry, August of 2021. Doing great with the rainbows. Favorite food is small crickets, I bet. Bug bites, bloodworms, flake food. Shy, swim in a pack, tank temp 75. Glad to hear they're doing well for you. That's, that's good to hear. They're an amazing fish. Small-scale archer fish. One of, the, one of the few freshwater archers out there. Red light robot, the Mamirids act like Agent Smith. Chase each other, then turn at the exact same time. Really accurate movement for a blind fish. Yeah, it's because they, like a dolphin uses sonar, they're using electrical signals in the same kind of way to understand their environment and communicate. So they know what's going on even if they can't see. They're, they have a, a sixth sense uh, to guide them. Really interesting fish. Sandy Farrell, I love special needs fish. I just ordered the rest of the Synodonis ocellifers. Awesome, Sandy. I'm glad to hear that. I know you have a, a plenty of tank space and that you'll give them a good home. And I'm glad to hear that the other ones you got earlier are doing well for you. Um, and thank you for doing that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one that we've been wanting to find a good home for a long time, and I'm glad we did. So for those that don't know, we had some uh, Synodonis ocellifer that came in. And they were not treated right um, upon export. And uh, I think what happened is they probably got ammonia burn on the eyes. But anyway, the eyes were kind of white and glazed over. Not puffed up, not diseased, but not what you would expect either. They've healed up a lot, but um, they're healthy in every way. They just look a little funky. So I'm glad to hear that Sandy's given them a home. Thanks, Sandy. With that, let's do the giveaway and clear on out of here. So this giveaway is for some uh, Synodonis Negrita. These guys get six to eight inches, according to what I've read. <laughs> I've, I've read things before, though, that were really wrong. But according to what I've read on Seriously Fish and Planet Catfish, usually quite reliable. Um, 
six to eight inches is, is looks like about the range. Um, they're currently call it two to four inches, maybe closer to two to three inches. And um, we'll send you three to six of them probably is what we'll do. So because they are a six to eight inch fish, they're not going to go in a little 10 gallon tank, right? So if you, uh, if you entered the giveaway without knowing that, then just let us know if you win and we'll give them to someone who can take care of them. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, make sure you have the adequate tank to take care of them. Um, and with that, <laughs> Stephen P. 2003 Aquatics, Josh, I am everywhere. <laughs> Let's go ahead and roll the winner. And the winner of the Synodonis um, Negrita is Charlie Barton. Charlie Barton, you have won. Congratulations. You have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here. And um, if you don't have, if you did that mistake and don't have the proper tank to care for them, let us know. We'll, we'll let someone else uh, win. But if you can take care of them and all that, then you've won. Just chime in that you're here and we will go from there. All right. <clears throat> I need to wet my whistle. I'm going to switch screens so I can see um, when, oh, Charlie is here. All right, Charlie Barton. Cool. You're here. Excellent. Um, if you'd send me an email, dan at dansfish.com, your first and last name and your mailing address, then I'll, we'll make arrangements for a ship date and get those sent out to you. Congratulations. Um, they're cool fish. I think you're going to enjoy them. Active not aggressive and can stand up to uh to most any fish they're tough little suckers but not mean <laughs> i guess is how you'd put it so congratulations charlie you won with that we are going to close this down thanks for being here everybody thanks to my moderators for doing what they do um punchy paints usually goes after me at about nine o'clock so in about half an hour so if you want more fish talk and also some cool art check out punchy paints. Um, she usually goes every now and then she doesn't, but <laughs> probably. And with that, thanks to my moderators. Thanks to everyone that left a super chat. We really appreciate the donations. Always appreciated, never required, but we are a startup. And at this stage of our business, every little edge we can get helps. Every little bit helps us extend our operations, you know, another month. <laughs> so it's helpful. Um, everyone that just questioned or commented and was active in the chat, thanks for making this lively. That's a, uh, I couldn't, I probably could, but I wouldn't want to talk once a week for an hour and a half straight without having you guys contribute and having stuff to respond to. That would, that'd be quite the task. So <laughs> I'd have to prepare like serious lectures, like when I was a professor or something. So, and even then we had discussions, so that would be hard. So thank you for being active in the chat is what I'm trying to say. Um, all you lurkers, hail the lurker nation. Everyone watching on the replay, hello, thanks for being here. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. And a special thank you to Michael Melier for making the podcast possible, for taking the audio from here and loading it up uh, in podcast format for folks that want that. Thanks, Michael, for doing what you do. Um, with that, we're going to sign out. Have a great night. We'll be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, take it easy, folks. Bye-bye.